Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to season two of the Nakabi Diaries podcast, a platform dedicated to sharing the stories of the women behind the veil. This season, we will be speaking to more Muslim women from all walks of life as we continue to discuss their deep and intimate reasons for wearing the niqab, the Nakabi Diaries, our experiences, our perspectives, our voices. I'm your host, Samar, and thank you for listening. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, sister. How are you? Alhamdulillah, how are you? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair for joining us today on the Naqabi Diaries. Sister, could you please introduce yourself for the listeners and tell us a little bit about what you do, inshallah? So, first of all, Bismillah rahman rahim and wa alaykum as-salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, because I've just realized I didn't actually respond to that. Um, my name is Aisha Murray. I'm a, a revert from Scotland, alhamdulillah. Um, I'm a qualified teacher, a content creator on YouTube and BBC The Social, and I'm a mum of four. Tabarakallah. Alhamdulillah. Um, so, sister, I've uh, obviously you mentioned your um, the Scottish revert teacher. I'm sure a lot of sisters, alhamdulillah, have heard of you. Um, I came across you, I think, first on maybe Instagram, I think. Um, but I've been following you on YouTube for a while, and I really enjoy your content, mashallah, Mubarak. Um, you give a lot of beneficial reminders, and you just kind of give, um, you know, a taste of what it is to be, I think, a, a Muslim like from Scotland. And I live in Newcastle. Alhamdulillah, which is just down the road. So, um, Scotland's a place that I really love. So, um, um, would you mind sharing some of your, um, you know, story, how you became Muslim, inshallah, and how you got to be wearing the niqab as well? Um, <clears throat> I mean, to summarise, um, I've been Muslim 16 years and I've been wearing niqab for 10 years this year, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. Um, I came to know Islam through non-practicing Muslim friends, not actually through them, but family that visited them. Mm-hmm. Um, we asked them to go out one evening to a place that wouldn't really have been appropriate for practicing Muslims, and they refused. And because their cousins, their non-practicing cousins, would you know go with us. Um, when they refused, we were a little bit confused. Um, we asked them why, and they said, "We're, you know, we're Muslims, and we were like, you know, your your family are Muslims, and they're coming, so why not you guys?" And they said, "No, we're practicing Muslims." So me and my non-Muslim friends were a bit curious uh, about what the different was difference was, and. Um, we decided not to go out that night and sit with these people because they they were amazing, really, really great people to spend time with. And then we began to ask questions on what was the difference and that led to questions about Islam in general. Um, And the answers were amazing, uh, logical, straight from the Quran. And me and my non-Muslim friends just started researching after that. Alhamdulillah. In terms of niqab, once I understood hijab in general and modesty and things, it was always 
something that I wanted to achieve. I wanted to achieve that level of modesty because, um, you know, I, I, it just made sense to me. Hijab just made sense, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. Um, so it was always a goal. My lead up to that, um, I, I was Muslim about six, seven years. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of battled with it for a while. You know, I, I was a bit, I didn't really know, to be honest with you. I wanted to achieve it, but I was very nervous. You you think before you start wearing it that it's really going to restrict your lifestyle. Mm. Um, not only that, just having something covering your face, which is completely and utterly normalized now thanks to the pandemic but yeah um before that you know the thought of covering your face all day I, I think it's a little bit intimidating um and I, I remember I tried one week and the the niqab that I bought was from like just some market stall it was really poor quality and poorly made and the material was rubbish um, and I remember wearing it and it was so restricting mm. and uh, I wore it for a week and took it off and then after I took it off I felt really guilty and felt you know a bit useless because <laughs> it was something I also always wanted to achieve but yeah. then after a week I just kind of wrote it off and then uh, one day um, I woke up to the news of a tsunami in Japan mm. and I just watched how that tsunami just destroyed lives, destroyed houses, cars, buildings, people just being swept away. And it just brought this overwhelming reality of life to me. And um, I was like, you know, what is NICAB? You know, like what is NICAB in comparison to all the other things that are going on in life? Um, so as of that day, I put it on and uh, I've never took it off. Mashallah, Allah Mubarak. So I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind a little bit, okay? Gonna ask you some questions. So you mentioned um, in your no journey, okay, like there was a group of you, for example, that had, you know, been interested in like learning more about Islam. Were there any other um, people who became Muslims from your friends in that group that you had? Yeah, yeah. So actually the one who was with me on that occasion, uh, we teamed up almost, like we buddied up and we researched everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, we did we did our own research on our own as well, but um, yeah, we did everything together and it, we almost clicked together. Everything clicked together as well. Like the moment it clicked for, for me, it seemed to click for her as well because... In those moments where we're kind of looking at each other, like, but no, really? Oh my gosh, wow. this is amazing. Yes, you know, and we did, we said our shahada together as well. Um, we went to the mosque together. So, me and her, we, we did it together. We had another friend who was Muslim a couple of years before, but she was very new to her Islam. She mm-hmm. didn't know much the information she was getting wasn't great quality um and she didn't really she wasn't at a, a stage in her reversion to talk to us about it mm-hmm. um so it's nothing that we openly spoke about and then I have a cousin who 
um, became Muslim maybe a year and a half or something like that after that as well, who's oh, sure. a member of a world like kind of friend group as well. Um, and my mum, alhamdulillah, my mum seven years later, she became Muslim, alhamdulillah. Amazing, alhamdulillah. So did this all happen in Scotland? Um, so, yeah, we became Muslim in Scotland. Um, yeah, well, yeah, my mum's Scottish as well. So, yeah, everything kind of happened in Scotland. But me and um, two of those girls moved to London, mm -hmm. maybe two or three years after that. And we spent uh, many years in London. Okay, alhamdulillah. And what would you say um, was your experience um, be, being a new Muslim living in Scotland and you know before you went to London and then was there a difference between living in Scotland and living in London and did you wear the hijab like straight away when you became Muslim or was there like kind of a little a gradual kind of process how did that go? Um, okay what what hands first? <laughs> um, so when it came to uh, Glasgow and London in terms of my Islam, so because I adopted the hijab very early on, I was visibly Muslim uh, at the very beginning of my reversion, mm -hmm. um, alhamdulillah. And like I said, I probably spent about two or three years um, before I moved to London. Uh, and I'm not going to lie, it was 16 years ago. It was a completely different time. You know, things like 9-11 were, were still really fresh. 7-7 was still really fresh. You know, all these like, you know, misrepresentations of Islam and Muslims was like really kind of on fire. Um, there was a lot of misconceptions and yeah, it was really, really difficult to be Muslim in Scotland, visibly Muslim in Scotland at that mm. time. I got a lot. And because I was a hijabi, um, they could see straight away that I was Scottish. They right. could see that I was a convert because mm. my hijab was very, very poorly put on. <laughs> um, you know, um, so... I did, I got a lot of the traitor comments, you know, many, many different things happened back then. Uh, and I remember when I was Muslim, I visited London for the first time and I just couldn't believe the amount of Muslims there. Mm. Not just Muslims, but, you know, the real beauty of Islam and that Islam has no race and no culture and it's just, anyone can be Muslim and it was very visible in London. You saw Arab Muslims, Pakistani Muslims, black Muslims, white Muslims, you know, it was, it was everything. It was diverse and it was stunning. And I felt very comfortable there because of that. Very, very comfortable. Uh, and less than a year later, I think I, I moved. Yeah. Sure. It, it spoke out a lot. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Mashallah. So um, you've moved back to Scotland now, right? I have, yeah. And, and what, what has that been like? Uh, well, I've only been back less than a year, mm -hmm. so I haven't really had the opportunity to enjoy it because of lockdown and the pandemic. Um, but um, for a, I got 
even though I've lived in London for, for 13 years, I've always been in Scotland. You know, mm-hmm. I, it was very important to me that my kids understood that part of their culture of course, yeah. and understood that this was also one of their countries. Mm-hmm. And um, because my, my kids are a uh, mixed race. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really wanted them to, to understand that this is their place. So I would take them three, four times a year. Mm-hmm. They're very close with my family. They, they got to enjoy parts of Scotland that not many, even Scottish people, get the opportunity to go to and see. So um, I've always been around Scotland. It's not that, you know, I just turn my back on it. Um, and you can see throughout the years the progress, you know, the acceptance of people being them individual selves and and things has grown and got better so I feel like it was just the right time to come back there there was many reasons why I came back but it it was definitely the right time and my kids are comfortable and you know I'm comfortable and just grateful to be home to be honest because yeah, I missed it. <laughs> I think that's really great, mashallah. That's I, that's what I was curious about, like, because um, when I first moved to Newcastle, because I'm from London anyway, but when I first moved to Newcastle, I was a new Muslim. So, um, uh-huh. and when I moved here, like, that's one of the things I noticed that there wasn't, like, much diversity at all. But being yeah. here for, like, I don't know, like, 19 years now, it's like, I've, like, there's so much more, like, you know, diversity when it comes to culture and things like that. And, you know, I live in a community yeah. where there's quite a lot of Muslims anyways. So this is one of the things that I was kind of curious about. Yeah, um, it's very similar, sister. Yeah. Like Newcastle is a stone throw away. I love Newcastle. Yeah, so, yeah. I had actually wanted no, to live in Scotland and that's how I ended up here. Because um, when I was um, in college, um, uh-huh. I, was, I wasn't actually planning on going to university, to be honest. But um, a teacher of mine, he was like, oh, yeah, you are going to university. And I was like, OK, then. <laughs> and then I said, to, I, he goes, so where do you want to go? And I was like, well, if I'm going to go to uni, I want to go to Scotland. And then he goes, well, Newcastle's near yeah. Scotland, so you can go there. And I was like, OK, <laughs> that was how I ended up in Newcastle. Well, we have free tuition, just saying. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. So no, I'm not there's not much difference honestly like it, it really is a stone throw away yeah, yeah. um it, the the culture is very similar in things so yeah yeah alhamdulillah so um what about uh obviously you've you you started wearing the hijab and then you wanted to wear the niqab what was your first kind of um what was your first interaction with the niqab because you was living in Scotland and I don't want to make assumptions but mm. you know being not not being in so much of a diverse community do you meet any Muslims in Scotland who had worn the hijab before you were at the niqab um, before he had went to London or was it when was your first encounter that you kind of thought well actually this is something I really want to do mm, this is actually a really good question no one's ever asked me this question um I, I definitely had seen women wear niqab in Scotland um, but that was before I became Muslim and if I'm completely and brutally honest I was so judgmental and Mm -hmm. I feel ashamed to say that now because I always thought that I was a really open-minded person Mm -hmm. but um, in terms of full niqab I, I definitely was judgmental you know I used to think it was a bit extreme Mm. and um, I used to think it was a bit oppressive Mm. Um, 
But in terms of any interactions with any Nakabis, definitely not, not in Scotland. I'll tell you a story. I, I've never told this, Marsha, so I'm really, I'm really grateful for you asking this question. But I'll tell you a story. Um, so as you know, in London, many different uh, Muslim sisters out there wearing many different, you know, um, I don't want to say versions of hijab, but their understanding of hijab, you know, you, you have people that wear colour, you have people that don't, you have people that wear niqabs, you have people that wear overhead abayas and mm -hmm. people who just wear abayas and headscarf. Um, so I came into interaction with niqabis and, and, and you know, the, like I just said, many different um, sisters who wore hijab in their own way. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you someone who really opened my mind to it. Um, and it was, I was with my ex-husband's family at the time. I was mm -hmm. in their house. And they had two friends visiting them. And they had brought one of their friends who was, mashallah, was this young black um, weaver girl. Mm -hmm. She, honestly, she really just stood out to me. But she was, her, the way she articulated herself, she, you know, I remember I sat down with her, we, we were all sitting down, we were all eating and talking as you do. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was getting to know her, so I was asking about, you know, which area she was from, you know, how long she had been Muslim, what, you know, the usual when you're a weaver, you, you want to know people's stories and yeah. what you get inspired and everything. Um, and she was wearing um, overhead abaya with full niqab. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions I asked her was, you know, so what inspired you to wear a niqab? Mm -hmm. And... I can't, I, I'm paraphrasing everything she she said, and I'm I'm definitely not going to do it any sort of justice. But her connection to her dean, her connection to her rab, her eagerness to please her Lord and to do the best in all areas of our Islam and our practice really just stood out in everything she was saying mm -hmm. and it inspired me so much and I was already like connected to Nakab in the sense of uh, it was always something that I wanted to achieve but at that time I was maybe 25 or something like I was maybe a little bit older than that and I had this 15 year old beautiful like strong eager like Mm. Oh, confident it was just amazing just everything mm. about her just produced nur and inspiration and motivation and I was just like wow you know <laughs> I really need to look at myself and you know check myself am I, am I like looking at my religion like this am I connected to my dean like this you know I really had to reevaluate mm. where I was at that time and she was definitely one of the things that inspired me to do that and um yeah a 15 year old had started her own business and everything oh, like it was her. just everything about that. her was just it was just flawless. I loved it. I loved it. Um, Mashallah, and I hear that she's doing great now. She's got kids and a family and things. Um, so, but yeah, no, it was amazing. She she really did inspire me to kind of look at um, the quality of my practice in every mm. sense, not just Nakab. Uh, but Nakab was definitely one of them. 
and yeah yeah kind of it always stayed with me always Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I, I know i know i understand what you're saying because you, you, you always have these you know you get these experiences in life with people that like they just even if you never see them again they have they leave this kind of imprint on, on your life just that encounter with them yeah. it's amazing that saying that um, first impressions count doesn't it subhanallah yeah so um yeah. where did you buy your first niqab then because you mentioned that you bought it and it wasn't very good quality and you couldn't breathe well in it and and I had the same experience actually when I first wore the niqab I couldn't breathe at all uh-huh. but I still like I, I didn't know what to do because I was so desperate to wear it so um exactly I think yeah. I was the same I, I think you know once I decided I wanted to wear it, it was like right I need to go get a niqab mm. and I don't know if anyone's from London if they know Shepherd's Bush Market yes <laughs> I think yes, everyone yes. from London knows Shepherd's Bush Market yes I used to so um, market I bought it shop. from there mm-hmm yeah I bought it from there and it wasn't I wasn't looking for the traditional niqab either and I think that was part of the problem I didn't get you know the traditional one piece or two piece niqab I got half niqab right. and it was made by a tailor right. um, but the material was extremely thick and mm. it was very short and the the elastic wasn't really it was it was too long or mm. you know it was just everything about it was just restricting mm. or annoying irritating you know um but the the first proper niqab uh, was a one-piece niqab and it was round the corner from Wembley Mosque there's like a okay. shop an Islamic shop there a bookshop and yeah it had a range of two pieces or one piece in the cabs and it was like proper um, chiffon I think mm-hmm. is the material it was like really breathable comfortable uh, and yeah I think it was just it was a, a lesson I needed to learn yeah alhamdulillah and yeah so when did you when did you um manage to get that because you said that after the first one you tried to wear it for a week and then you took it off so after the tsunami incident pardon it was was the first my first experience of wearing in the cab the poor quality one it was maybe a couple of months before I actually decided to wear it properly Um, there was a a decent period of time in between um, because I spent months kind of regretting that Mm. week that that time that I took it off Mm. Um, and also the the area I was living in it was a little bit of a posher area in London so there wasn't much diversity so I had a couple of experiences on a bus as well with that in the cab so I think over all of it was just a bit overwhelming Mm. I think everything kind of added to it to be honest but months after that I felt guilt regret um you know there was something inside me that really still wanted to achieve the goal but I was just kind of disheartened with how I felt in that week that I wore it um and like I said it wasn't until I woke up uh, to that news and saw the footage that was all over the news that day uh, where I was like you know Aisha perspective you mm-hmm. know really yes, really you know you're worried about in the cab people are losing lives people are losing homes people are losing cars you know but their communities geez and you're worried about a piece of material on your face yes, yeah it just it humbled me alhamdulillah so when you did put the niqab on 
um how was the reaction from your family members husband you know what did like did you have support from them like what was the experience um so i mean i think i'm just that sort of person who makes a decision once i make a decision i go with it and i don't really not do it mm-hmm. If people tell me not to, I just run with it and I do what I believe is right. And I, I take people's opinions and their, their input. Um, but I also measure it with the religion and I also kind of measure it with how I'm feeling and why I'm I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, at that time, my ex-husband was a bit concerned mm-hmm. that because of the type of attention I was getting outside which was not a nice attention I think he was worried that that would increase Mm. and my mum being in Scotland at that time and me being in London she was very concerned that I'd be putting myself at risk as well Mm -hmm. Um, but alhamdulillah actually I got the opposite response you know um, the the amount of abuse or the amount of tension I got outside decreased rather than increased mm. so it's um, definitely a, a decision that benefited me in the long run Alhamdulillah. that's one thing that I um you know when I've talked to like revert to our white white converts and stuff I've always like kind of um because I think that's one of the issues that um that f- for me like working with new Muslims in the community that I'm from you know European backgrounds um mm-hmm. they you usually have this like similar kind of experience like when they put the hijab on it's obvious to most people that they're white so people like in their community see them as being a traitor because you know you you know you've, you're white and you've got this headscarf on kind of thing so they get mm-hmm. quite a lot of abuse because of that and I have suggested a couple of times to some of them like maybe if you wore the niqab it'll be harder for people to identify you as being white because you do get some fair skinned yeah. Arabs and even like Asians so it's, it's it becomes more difficult for people to tell um but yeah. still I think that there's always this kind of anxiety that you know with wearing the niqab anyways I think everybody like who initially kind of thinks about wearing it they automatically have these kind of ideas in their mind that they're going to face abuse because of, because of obviously what the media kind of portrays and like the kind of perceptions around the niqab in general so people have this fear mm-hmm. to put it on and um, so they think that it's yeah. going to be worse for them but it's interesting that you've you know stated that obviously you've had like kind of the opposite experience and I have, I yeah. have friends as well who are um, white converts and they have you know similar experience as well to you you know they don't get as much yeah. attention or abuse since wearing the niqab because people can't tell they're white so it's like when you wear the hijab you're getting picked on specifically because you're white and I don't know why people think that Islam has some kind of colour that you have to be a shade of brown in order to be Muslim yeah well that's it and it's the misconceptions and stereotypes that I'd love to break I really would Um, so inshallah um, I'm a part of that inshallah but yeah no absolutely It, it is um, it's ridiculous that by being Muslim you um, become a traitor mm. to your nation. Like it really is absolutely ridiculous because if you if you really want to go back to history and you really want to go back to the the country's foundations, I mean how far back we'd go is another another subject. But let's 
let's just go a couple of hundred years back just for the sake of talking. Um, you know, uh, people were religious in general, like they were either Christian, they were Catholic, Protestant, mm -hmm. or, or the like Orthodox and stuff, you know, but now we, we have, um, you know, British uh, atheists, yeah. We have British agnostics. Mm -hmm. So are they traitors? Yes. Am I the only traitor? Like, come on, really? I'm a Scottish Muslim. You know, it, that's it. It's, it doesn't really need to be any more than that. You know, yeah. for me, it's not more than that. I'm Muslim. For me, I'm Muslim. Um, the only reason I, I say I'm Scottish Muslim or I say that I'm a revert Muslim is so that people who are from the same place or have similar experience or the same background maybe they can they can connect with me maybe there's something that I'll say that might be of benefit to them mm -hmm. you know otherwise it has no relevance I'm Muslim you know That's I just enough. so happen to be Scottish I just so happen to be female I just so you know like I'm so tired with people putting you know boundaries up or being divisive in one way or another we're, we're all human beings come on let's, let's just be happy and live in harmony how about that that's what Allah says like he made us of different tribes and nations so we could get to know each other it's just to make life Absolutely. more interesting like this is why it's not it's not so we can be divided it's so that we can see something different and find interesting in somebody else you know so we're all the same otherwise it's like we're all robots and actually if we took ego and pride and that competitive nature away from our interactions with people what you get is just beauty and culture yeah. and you know oh just the things you learn it's like that's what I loved about London it was almost like when you spoke to all the different people from different countries and backgrounds and things it was almost like you traveled the world without yes. traveling you yeah, got a definitely. little bit of culture you got a little bit of their home and um, just by a conversation and having genuine interest in a person's background and where they're coming from and stuff it's stunning absolutely stunning you know it's, it's a shame it's a real shame a lot of missed opportunities definitely subhanallah so um, you obviously you're known as a Scottish revert teacher okay so how does teaching come into all of this and like how long have you been teaching was you teaching before you became Muslim and um, or like and how was your kind of journey with the hijab and the naqabeen as a teacher? Um, so um, I'm a qualified teacher um, I'm a qualified language teacher and um, that's something that uh, I worked towards after being Muslim. As I said, um, I lived in London for 13 years and for six of those years I, I was teaching, uh, alhamdulillah. Um, in terms of my experience of hijab in the cab, it's actually another story. I have so many stories. I'm so sorry. Like, well, if share, it's too much, some, please. That's what, that's what this show is all about. Don't be shy. <laughs> Um, so actually, after I became qualified, because I was teaching whilst I was studying, which mm -hmm. is this kind of normal um, uh, for those going into teaching and things like that, to teach on the side whilst you're studying, because, you know, you're, you're learning and things. During that time, I wore the cap. During my studies, my formal studies as a teacher, I wore the cap in all mm -hmm. the teaching practice I did. 
was in the cab. And uh-huh. even though it had, um, I had to kind of approach my teaching differently, especially because it was language, right? Because you're, when you're teaching language, you're using your mouth, you're, you're showing people how to like position, you know, their teeth, their lips, yes, their tongues uh, with different, um, you know, words and, and stuff like that. Uh, not only that, just purely to be understood as a Scottish person yeah. in London, yeah, definitely. people normally need to see your face, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so there's that as well. But I found ways of getting around it. And for me, that was, you know, I, I loved it because it was kind of pushing boundaries and it was expanding my own knowledge and you know kind of uh, for the the people who were teaching me as well this was a new experience for them I was their first Nakabi mm-hmm. and um alhamdulillah I'm I'm not saying this this isn't this doesn't didn't come from me but my tutors um who later on I worked beside they actually said that because of me and because of you know, the, the different ways I approach teaching as a Nakabi, they accepted more and more Nakabis after uh, after me. Alhamdulillah. So on the what floor. age group were um, you teaching? Sorry. Um, so after I studied, I was teaching 16 to 18 year olds. Okay. And 19 plus. Mm. Um, so a very challenging audience. Definitely. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Uh, but they were all amazing. Um, so let me tell you, let me tell you about my job interview first. Mm-hmm. Um, after uh, I studied and everything, I started looking for a job, normal process. And at the college that I worked at, I got an interview, and I could see that the interviewer had a Muslim name. Right. So I was really excited about that, and I automatically thought, you know, I'll have this job in the bag. Uh, I got overly confident. And then when I went to the interview, um, the sister wasn't visibly Muslim. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm being judgmental, mm-hmm. it's just relevant to the context of the story, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was dressed in an overhead abaya mm-hmm. and so niqab dressed mm-hmm. in complete black, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so she looked a bit shocked by me. I'm not going to lie, I was a bit shocked by yeah, her. Especially with the and name and everything, right? Exactly, because I had a non-Muslim name, yes. exactly. So, um, yeah, we goes to her interview, I give her my CV, I give her, you know, all the other documents that are relevant to the, to the job. And um, she asked me a few questions about teaching. You know, she asked me my experience, blah, blah, blah. And then she said, um, do you intend to teach with your niqab on? So before I had went into the interview, I had already accepted that that might not be practical in a job setting. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people might not want that to happen. And they, according to, you know, law, they're not discriminating by asking me to take off my niqab for the actual teaching. Yeah. Okay. So um, I had already accepted that I would be willing to do that because I needed to work. The, the position I was 
And at that time at my life, I needed to work. So yeah. it wasn't a choice. It wasn't a luxury. It wasn't mm-hmm. me chasing a career. It was a necessity, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I, I was willing to do that. But I'm, I'm me. I like to try my luck. Yeah, so I said to her, I was, you know, I said to her, I was like, yeah, well, you see, I did study. Uh, and I have a reference for that. I did study and teach. All my teaching practice was in the cab and I would do this and I would do that and blah, blah, blah. So um, I would hope that you would allow me that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, no, no, we're not going to do it. So I was like, okay, okay. And then all of a sudden, we just started getting into Nikab's place in Islam. Oh, wow. And is it in fact, like, Islamically, like, is there any Islamic basis to it, mm-hmm. or is it purely culture? Mm. And we honestly, I swear, halfway through this interview, I was like, do you know what, Aisha, this is a test from our last tunnel mm-hmm. to Allah. You're getting tested right now stand your ground mm-hmm. you know don't just for the sake of being interviewed like change you yeah. know what you believe mm-hmm. stand your ground say whatever as you have to say and you know just take it as a learning experience move on to the next job so I mean maybe about 20 minutes or 30 minutes it felt like forever so we are mm-hmm. sitting debating and she's talking about barriers and everything and I'm just mm-hmm. kind of you know like saying what I would normally say and I thought, that's that, I'm not going to get the job, I'm leaving. And she said, you know, she just kind of looked at me and she looked at my CV. She looked to me again, looked to my CV. Mm-hmm. And she's like, right, okay, I'm going to show you the office. And I was just kind of like, right, okay. okay. Uh, and just before we were leaving her office, she's like, listen, I'm going to show you the office and I'm going to give you the job. But if in five weeks, any one of the colleagues in the office complain that um, they see your your um, the cab uh, as a barrier or if they feel uncomfortable or anything, I'm going to come back to you and I'm going to approach you about this and we're going to have another conversation about the cab. Because yeah. I said that I would take it down and teach him, but mm. as in, you know, moving around the camp, that I would be wearing it. Uh, in the office, I would be wearing it. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, um I I agreed. I was like, yeah, no problem. And uh no one ever complained because it's when it comes to Nikab, there's always this misconception that it's gonna be a barrier, no one's gonna understand me. Yeah, and of if I'm not getting understood, it's because I'm I'm Scottish, it's not because yeah, I'm you know, like, it's just the accent. I'll still have to repeat things a million mm-hmm. times. Like so for me it's not really the issue. But do you know what? After that, me and that my boss became best friends. Like we're still friends to this day. You know, and amazing. I think it represents that, you know, we don't always have to agree, but I have real reasons for why I believe Niqab is a part of Islam. So I yes. have real authentic evidence mm-hmm. and you can choose what you want to do with mm-hmm. that. Like, you don't need to believe it. You know, Allah gave us free will. Mm-hmm. We can do whatever ever we want. But, you know, I, ha- I have reasons to believe this and I have reasons for doing what I'm doing. And we all have to kind of respect that. Alhamdulillah.
So um, just more about your your actual profession itself. You said you're a language teacher. Is that English language? Are you teaching foreign students? I am, yes. Most of my students were. Um, I'm not currently teaching now because I moved back to Scotland, yeah. um, but I was up until I moved back. Mm -hmm. um, I was teaching mainly Eastern Europeans, um, Arabs from many different countries, mm -hmm. um, East Africans, North Africans, Mashallah. some West Africans. Yeah, mashallah, I had, um, I had many uh, different countries, cultures and everything in my classroom, South Asians, you know, East Asians, mashallah. Uh, and it was a real, real learning experience for me as well. Mashallah, that must have been amazing because, um, you know, we laugh about the Scottish accent, but literally it's one of those things like anytime I've spoke to people from other countries, you know, and mm. they they Scottish accent is is renowned people will mention oh the Scottish accent I can't like they they speak English fluently but when they say like oh well, they've had Scottish accent they're like what what are they saying what are, they don't understand what people are talking yeah. about so it's interesting that mashallah even as an Akabi sister and being Scottish as well so you've got two challenges really in in interacting with um you know people from other countries when it comes to teaching them the language itself so it's really really interesting actually mashallah yeah, I no, thought we've had to work I, really, really hard to um, get around those. Have Have you had any kind of like, do you have any stories with like students, for example, who you might have had to work a little bit harder um, in order to kind of get them to understand you? I think initially when people first met me or when I first got the classes, it was very different from them. Mm -hmm. uh, for them sorry it was very different accent for them because there's not many Scottish people in London yeah um but I think what all of us even our tutors and other teachers I mean none of the teachers were like the the, the my colleagues they weren't predominantly white English yeah people you know male or female you know they they, mm -hmm. they weren't um all white and all English and yeah. uh, there was many different teachers with many different accents Excellent, we had yeah. some Iranian teachers we had some um, um, teachers from India um, teachers from Russia mm -hmm. uh, Romania um, Somali so we, we all kind of either had accents or, or or not of some yeah. place but I think just because um, I'm a native mm -hmm. it was very it was very different yes for them because they, they they didn't have much experience but it's just teaching them that you know there's many different accents not exactly. just um, not just you know London in London but yeah yeah exactly all the Queen's English really I mean Newcastle accents are lovely accents you know yeah, <laughs> but, yeah so it, it was just about saying your ears need to adapt rather exactly. than I need to put on an accent you know I will teach you how to pronounce and stress these words properly but if you do that in your accent then that's absolutely fine mm -hmm. uh, just like it's fine for me to teach you in that accent Mashallah, that's really mashallah amazing because I've had um I did do the um a CELTA course as well and I was wearing the car while I was doing it so I did the training and you know, Alhamdulillah, I think I, I have a similar, well, not not completely similar experience, but I just did some training. I didn't actually go into the profession myself, but it was like interesting yeah. like wearing the niqab and interacting with students. And I, I, to be honest, I didn't feel that the niqab itself was a barrier while I was um, teaching them. 
um, yeah. Alhamdulillah, I didn't feel it was at all. And just like you said, there were teachers that I was working with who had different accents. They were from all different parts of the country. And because I was um, learning in Newcastle as well, um, I found that um, when it came to the lessons, because I had the London accent, it was a surprise for a lot of the students because they were expecting to hear the Geordie accent, which some of them found a bit difficult to understand. But when they had my accent was a London accent, they was like, oh, well, this is a bit easier for us that's kind of my, more yeah. what they had you know heard from maybe when they was in the, back home in their own countries they would have heard like you know more this kind of the standard um you know london accent so that that kind of worked to my advantage as well alhamdulillah but yes it's it's interesting the different experiences and it's just um as, as you said people need to adjust their hearing and i think that's with like you get that with all languages every every language has like different accents and um unless you kind of speak other languages and have experience with learning other language you wouldn't kind of um take time to kind of um you know appreciate that as well you know because it happens in all languages like that's how people know where people are from in other countries as well it's by the accent so there's differences in um every culture mashallah well that's that's kind of i think it's a principle for many things in life Mm -hmm. you know like uh, for the niqab since we're, we're we're talking about niqab um, for the niqab as well, like some people feel uncomfortable, like non-Muslims who are not really around mm-hmm. such diversity. Uh, when they have an interaction with a sister with niqab, they can often feel uncomfortable. And it's even pushed some of those people to say, you know, in educational institutions, niqab shouldn't be there. And if it's mm. there, you know, we'll, we'll mark, like specifically, I'm talking specifically about Ofsted, the, you know, the kind of head. Uh, of Ofsted said that their um, people can, their their workers can go into institutions and if they see um, niqab there and if it's uh, an issue, then they can mark the institution as a four, like just for that, you know? So it's like, no, no, no. We have to teach people that um, just because they feel uncomfortable doesn't give them a right to push their, you know, their beliefs and what they're comfortable with on other people. We're all people, we all have differences, we all have our experiences, but the only way we're going to adjust and, and, you know, grow and progress together is if we all get to know what each other's boundaries are, uh, things that we can do and things that we can't do, we have to consider them, we have to respect them, and, and, you know, it's like, walking up to someone ugly and saying, you know, because you're ugly, you know, I feel uncomfortable talking to you. So can you fix your face? I mean, it doesn't oh, really God. make sense. You would never say something so exactly. ridiculous. You know, you would never. So why do you think you can say that about my clothes? Mm. Come on. You know, actually, actually look past the material I'm wearing on my face because it's nothing more than that. Yes. And I have a reason for wearing it. And just listen to what I have to say because you will, if you're you're honest and you're open, you will connect with that. You know, you will understand what I'm saying. So how about you just focus on that? Yeah, exactly. SubhanAllah. So on that note, would you describe the niqab as being a barrier? And if so, in which sense? Um, yes and no, it can be a barrier, like, subhanAllah, but alhamdulillah, um, before, like I said, before I was Muslim, I, I, before I was in the Kabi, sorry, I, I wore hijab, so I had many different experiences, and one of the, the really annoying one was 
clearly non-practicing Muslim men trying to approach me and find out my revert story. As a Muslim woman, we don't want to be approached by Muslim men. Like yeah. Muslim men should know this more than anyone. Um, so when I put niqab on, it was a signal to them to say, I'm not approachable. You know, like don't just come and try to have unnecessary conversations mm -hmm. with me. Um, but in terms of communication in general and working alongside people and things, no, you know, it, it's, it's definitely not. It's about your level of um, consideration and appreciation for, for differences that, that will decide whether it's a barrier or not. For me, I'm not a shy person. You know, I have my Islamic principles that I live by. Um, but if I need to communicate to you and I need, or if you need to commute some, communicate something to me, I'll listen and mm -hmm. I'll take it and I'll respond. You know, it, niqab doesn't make me antisocial. Yeah. It's just something it, it connected to me in a religious sense, mm -hmm. you know. And because we are a country of differences, um, people need to understand that um, there's more to life than just what we've been raised with. Exactly. You know, we, uh, to, like I said, to grow and progress, we need to have appreciation for, for all differences and at least respect and tolerance, you know, uh, at the very least. Definitely, mashallah, subhanallah. So have you um, met any sisters who've been forced into wearing the niqab? Or have you met any sisters who have wanted to wear it, but they're not allowed to wear it for any particular reason? Um, I've never met any sister being forced, never. Um, when it comes to sisters wanting to wear a niqab and not being allowed to, I don't even think I've experienced that. More mm. sisters wanting to do it, but being fearful to do it because mm they feel, like I said earlier on, it will increase their, um, you know, negative um, experiences with uh, their community that mm -hmm. may not be Muslim. Yeah. You know, um, many sisters like that, I get a lot of comments like that on my videos and on my YouTube videos and things. A lot of DMs kind of sisters asking how they can overcome the anxiety of wearing niqab or being visibly Muslim outside and stuff. So I get a lot of that, but no one being forced to do anything yeah. like for or against, yeah. not my experience anyway. Okay. Um, I think one of the, the biggest misconceptions about hijab or niqab in general is that it's something that we don't choose to do. Mm. It's, it's something that we are forced to do. And as reverts, you and I, we can honestly say that that's not the case. Exactly. Like, yeah. it's, it's more, you know, like, it really isn't, alhamdulillah. This is hijab, as well as all the other aspects of Islam, it's something beautiful. It's, you know, it's guidance from God. Mm -hmm. but there's nothing bigger than that. Um, so we we are really passionate about that. We love it and we are dedicated to that. That's why we do it. It's got nothing to do with men. It's got nothing to do with, you know, it's, it's just, it's a shame. It's a real shame. I really hope people um, can look past the stereotypes and misconceptions and actually go to the sources and see why these things exist, why they're there. Um, because it really does 
it blew me away. It blew me away. Yeah, Alhamdulillah. It's amazing because I think the main thing with Islam is and I, what people fail to understand, and even us as Muslims sometimes, is Islam, it means submission to the will of Allah. So if you're being mm. forced, you're not submitting. You're just being forced. You know, you, to, be sub, exactly. to be in submission, you need to be, you know, aware of what you're doing. You need to be willing. You need to be sincere about it. So there's no aspect of force. If you're being forced, you're not actually practicing Islam. You're just doing what yeah. you've been forced into do. And that, so that could be with anything. There's so many women in this world, they're not wearing hijab or niqab, they're not Muslims, and they're being forced to do a lot of things that they don't want to do. Yeah. And they are being... Yeah, well, that's it, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So um, because they're wearing, what, maybe Western clothes or what everybody else is um, known to be wearing, does that mean that they're free? It doesn't because, you know, they, mm-hmm. they're, they're being forced to do things that they they don't want to do. And you know, so it's not about yeah. the clothes specifically. There's no particular clothing, which means that you've been oppressed. This is what they need to, like, understand. SubhanAllah. So yeah. would, you, would you say that... Um, in your experience as a Muslim, okay, so you've worn the hijab, you've worn the niqab, alhamdulillah, um, and as obviously from a revert's perspective as well, would you say that you feel in the Muslim community um, that um, sisters who wear the niqab get treated differently from sisters who wear the hijab? This is such a controversial question that I need to answer. Can yes, I please? It is differ? controversial, isn't it? It is. It's just your opinion. It is a controversial question um, because my answer and you know I'm not directing it to anyone specifically so don't hate me but there's definitely a difference I, I, I definitely feel a difference um, I think it's just unfortunately the the climate we live in um, niqab is associated with extremism mm-hmm. and the negative sense you know, I, I always hate the word extremism because I'm like, if anyone's an extreme Muslim, then they'd be extremely nice and extremely exactly. charitable and you know, extremely giving, <laughs> like, you know, extremely peaceful. Mm-hmm. And but if we're going to use it in the context that people have kind of, you know, hijacked it on, uh, they see it as a really negative thing, something that um, kind of uh, takes the fun out of life or you know um like you said like creates barriers and and unwanted and un-islamic boundaries when it's really nothing of the sort and it's a shame that there aren't there isn't more support for Nakabi sisters mm. um like me specifically i'm on youtube and i'm doing all of this why for the sake of allah um because i feel like it's necessary you know i, I live in a country where uh, the dawa scene is small um uh, and especially online there's not many scottish daddies you, you see there so you know i take it as a real responsibility and I, i'm there for a reason and the amount of you know texts i get about my niqab you know, I got, I'm on YouTube trying to spread Islam, the deen of Islam. I'm trying to make my community a better place and live in, uh, to live in for all. And you're so focused by the material on my face. Like, it has its importance. There's a reason why I wear niqab. Mm. It has its importance in Islam. But it's one aspect of Islam. And you're so just determined to say that, you know, a uh, face reveal or, you know, like why do you style it that way how how can we do it that way and it's just it's 
it, it becomes a little bit overwhelming because mm. to me it's like it's like I said it has its importance and I, I do value it and and uphold that importance but to me it's one aspect of Islam you know understanding God is so important and you know living my life in a way that's pleasing to him is so important and that is that's a huge duty you know and it takes time experience that that want need for knowledge uh, and I feel like it's always when it comes to women it's always about the image that they are portraying yes and you know like again it comes back to you know if you want to hear what I have to say then you know I have a lot to say um so how about you focus on that and instead of the materialistic stuff you know like let's move past that now it's old the niqab and hijab story is old you know yeah alhamdulillah subhanallah it's amazing because and this is the kind of thing like we all have these kind of experiences you know people like and I think um it almost makes people feel even if they don't want to do for example like hijab tutorials or naqab tutorials if they have any kind of online mm. presence there's like I think I feel personally that there's almost like um there's almost some kind of like social pressure you feel that you should be doing that even if you yeah even if that's not what you're interested in doing and that's not what your kind of aim is because like we live in a society that's so like focused on like visual representation so mm. people people are always interested in seeing these things like you know there's when I first started doing the Nakabi diaries I'd get a lot of sisters asking me things like oh where do you buy your Nakab or like how do you put where Nakab and stuff and and I would just I would just put them in the direction of, of another um sister's account to yeah. be because for me it's just like that's that's not what I'm doing here do you know what I mean I, I respect that yeah oh, if you want to learn how to do it but for me, there's so many sisters who have platforms and that's what their platforms are about, you know, so it's easy Absolutely. to find these things. And, and I don't mean disrespect when I say that. Let me just point this out because um, that's, you know, it's really important for me to say, like, definitely there is a place, you of know, course. for us to, you know, find, uh, you know, Islamic clothing that mm-hmm. is uh, befitting and is by the conditions and standards set by Allah. So definitely, and even hijab notorious as reverts, I'm sure you had a similar experience to me. Like first trying to wrap a hijab is tough, you know. Mm, and yeah, definitely. I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't revert in a time where there was uh, YouTube tutorials and I would have loved to have had them. So I'm not trying to belittle mm-hmm. um, the tutorials or the need for it even. But it's just like, just because we are Muslim women, that's all it's about. And you're yeah. like, no, that it has its place. It has its importance. But, you know, would do, if we think back to, you know, uh, the Prophet Sallallahu time, uh, and we look at the the woman, the 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 founding woman representing the dean. How much um, do you think? How much time do you think they would spend on, you know, the styling hijabs and the cabs? Exactly. But just styling specifically, not so yeah. much the the conditions of it, because it, I don't want to devalue hijab and the cab because it's important. Mm. But just styling it and the and uh, you know trying to make it more feminine or more western or whatever it is people are trying to do how much time would be spent on that you know islam is so vast and we are on this world for a minute you know we have so much we need to learn um and we have so much that we need to do we have duties so 
Um, I just feel like it has its place, but it is not the be all and end all of a Muslim woman. We have so many other things like feminism is like kind of dominating the world. Like, yeah. What is what are we as Muslim women saying about that? What are we doing exactly. about that? How are we combating that? Because even though um, Islam has um, has liberated women, you know, it doesn't actually coincide with what feminism is today. And exactly. because of that, it's causing its own issues. So how are we combating that? Mm-hmm. How are we, you know, teaching other Muslim women that we don't need to buckle at the pressures of Western standards and, you know, society? Like, how are we saying, you know, uh, you can do you and I can do me. And this is, uh, I'm proud to be a, a Muslim woman who's a mother and a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> and like, where, 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 why are we not having these conversations? Like, we have so much that we could be talking about. And I feel exactly. like we're always kind of taught to go back to the cause and again not undermining it not saying that it doesn't have its importance but there is other things we need to focus on as well alhamdulillah 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 I totally agree definitely so um I wanted to ask you as well actually have you traveled outside of the UK at all with the Nakabon and if so what's that been like <laughs> yes <laughs> actually you know when I read this question um I was a little bit, I, I don't talk about these things much. Um, I don't know why, it's just, it just never comes into conversation. But I think my least favourite thing to do is to travel on a plane and to go through an airport as in a mm. cabbie. Because it's very rarely that I can just get through without any issues. Mm. You know, it's either issues with people on the flight or issues with, you know, um, you know the the search, you know, going through security, mm. or it's issues um, with the staff as I'm waiting to get on the plane. I remember mm. one time there was this staff member who saw me in the line, and I was like maybe halfway, so I had a whole bunch of people in front of me and a whole bunch of people behind me. And you could see that she was kind of stepping out from her little area to look mm. at me. And then she'd oh, go to one colleague and kind of talk. And then she'd be kind of, not pointing, but she'd be kind of like bringing them over to say, you know, look at her over there. And then they would discuss. Then they were on the phone to clearly their pilot. Uh, and then they would come off wow. the phone. And it's just so obvious Yeah. to the point where, I had a whole bunch of people in front of me looking at me and a whole bunch of people behind me looking at me. Um, Until the point where the woman came up and she said, you know, um, excuse me, um, I see that you're wearing a face covering. Um, You do realise that you have to show your face before you can board this plane. Like, seriously? (laughs) And I was just like, no problem. And she's like, oh, okay, you're okay with that? And I'm like, yeah. Wow. You know, and like I said, I had a whole bunch of people in the queue. And it's almost like they put the fear in them. Yeah. You know, I'm just standing in a queue trying to get from London to Glasgow. It's an hour. Wow. It's really not much. Awesome. You just you know? yourself from um, London to Glasgow. Like, has she never seen an Akabi yeah. at the airport? exactly wow exactly you know and I've had 
I remember one time I was on the plane and I was in the outer seat. I don't like to be at the windows. Um, and this man came and actually put his hand on me. Like he proper like poked me a few times, like deep, deep, deep. Wow. You know, and then he was like, as if I couldn't speak English, he was like, excuse me, can you get out so I can get in there? My seat is there. And I was just like looking at him as if to say, you know, I do understand <laughs> what you're saying. You don't wow. need to emphasize and don't touch me. And, you know, every, alhamdulillah, everyone noticed. You know, everyone around me noticed him. It was so inappropriate. How yeah, dare you? Like, poke my shoulder don't yeah. touch me you know I don't even need to be Muslim to say that exactly. don't touch me you know? like, how dare you um so I always have some drama I always have something that happens and I really hate airports because of it I have been a few European countries I've been to France I've been to Holland um and I, I have experienced that it's it's a tough it's a tough time to be visibly Muslim, especially mm. in the cabbie with everything yeah. going on, you know. Um, but alhamdulillah, as Muslims, we, we you know, the guidance is, you know, to kind of look at people who have less than us and look at people who have more than us and kind of find the balance. And although it's a tough time right now to be Muslim, it was nothing that the uh, nothing in comparison to what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the Sahaba experience, you know, so I'm always grateful for that and, you know, I, I take it as an honour to, to be able to say that um, I've experienced e even an atom's worth of, of what the Prophet has because then I don't feel like crap, you know, like yeah, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the Sahaba, they went through such a war, even the generations after them exactly. to carry Islam to where it is now, mm. you know, so I, I'm really grateful for that. And uh, if I have to struggle to play my part in that, then Alhamdulillah for that, you know, we all know that Allah wants everything. So um, all the struggles alhamdulillah so yeah take on the chin inshallah as should we all definitely alhamdulillah so um what advice would you give to other sisters who are struggling with their decision to wear the naqab i mean well you know for me personally i don't believe that naqab is mandatory i mm -hmm. followed the understanding of the sheikh about uh, sheikh albani um, so I don't believe it's mandatory, but I do believe that, you know, it's advised and in, in some certain situations it would be it would be beneficial, more beneficial. Um, but I would just say, sisters, do your Islamic research, you know, get to know the purpose of modesty and hijab in general and the guidance from the Quran and the Sunnah. And um, base your decision on that base your decision for your need to please your lord because at the end of the day we're never going to be able to please people nor should we want to mm -hmm. <laughs> you know we shouldn't live our lives seeking the validation uh, of people because we'll never get it we'll be chasing nothing um so you know get to know increase your knowledge increase your demand with that comes you know strength and confidence and you know prioritization uh is you know i don't want to say it's easy because for some sisters it's easy and for some it's not so i don't want to belittle anybody's experience but 
um, you know, you have a duty to yourself. You know, you're worth it. You're worth that liberation, and and hijab does liberate us. You know, so um, yeah, get to know it, increase your knowledge, and inshallah, Allah will guide it and guide you and make it easy for you. Inshallah, inshallah. inshallah. And uh, finally, um, what does the niqab mean to you? <laughs> Very much like I've said, um, it's, it means a lot because it has its importance in Islam. But even within that, it is balance. You know, it's, it's something that takes me out of that competitive life, that need to seek validation, you know, it's, it's, it gives me my value, it liberates me, it's, it's, you know, it's, but at the same time, it's one small part of my, my deen, you know, mm. my deen is so much more, my deen is Allah, it's the Prophet, mm. it's the Sahaba, it's the guidance, it's the Sunnah, it's, it's, you know, and niqab and hijab and modesty is one very beautiful and important part of that but one one part of that you know so it's very balanced in my life you know i i love it it's important uh, as well as many other things alhamdulillah 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 jazakallah khair sister thank you so much for giving so much of your time today and because I, I i some of the sisters have messaged me recently and they said that they really love the long interviews alhamdulillah we've got a nice long interview today so inshallah the nice, sisters, nice. Um, will have enjoyed it and sisters who are listening if you leave a comment in the description box let us know like you know your beneficial points that you picked out from this um talk inshallah because i'm sure there are many and mashallah i was really um happy to hear about um this is aisha's experience as a teacher especially and if you are a teacher and you wear the naqab maybe you can share some of your experiences as well with us inshallah um i would just like to i would just like to add if i've said anything wrong um, then it's a reflection of me and my limitations as a muslim um or as a person um and anything that's beneficial and good from this inshallah it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Amen. alhamdulillah and um inshallah we're going to put sister Aisha's um youtube um link for her channel in the description box as well and definitely check out her um her channel if you're not already subscribed then please do so because mashallah she shares a lot of beneficial reminders um quite regularly as well and um mashallah we didn't even talk about the fact that you're into hiking and things like that you do a lot of hiking and things um so which um, is amazing and she shows that. a lot of the beautiful nature of scotland and you know this is something that i really love so definitely worth checking out her channel inshallah yeah thank you sister thank you very much okay barakallah feekum assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Wa alaykum as-salamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.